from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. It's a full bench. I got Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, Zach Blossin. Everyone's here. Chris is wearing a spiffy shirt. Zach's turning 21 in a day. Josh is trying to sabotage me with the script by saying the wrong name of people. And I've been told I talk too much. I'm just going to shut up and say, guys, FSU got a commitment over the weekend uh, from, oh, oh God, I wrote it down too. Alu Ba. Did I nail it, Josh? Did I stick it? I think that's what I would have said. Aluba. All right. He is a three-star offensive lineman from IMG Academy. He's ranked as the 516th overall prospect in the country. He's listed as an offensive tackle. We'll get into that. He's number 49 offensive tackle per the 24-7 sports composite. Six foot six, 325 pounds. Offers from Michigan State to Texas, Florida, Texas A&M, Penn State. Woo! Christopher, you love talking about the trenches, the big dudes in the trenches. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this commitment here for FSU? Aluba. Wait. You called him a tackle. He's a guard. He's going to end up being uh, a guard here. Skipping ahead. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not moving him. I'm not moving him. He, I'm just he saying is, he's going to be a guard. I was watching the film as a junior and I was like, okay, this looks like a guard to me, which is not a bad thing, but, but he is a guard. I agree. He's a kid who, you know, dropping a little bit weight, getting a little lighter in the toes, doing a few other things. Yeah. He could probably get away with being a right tackle, but I think FSU's taking him as a guard. I think they expect him to be a guard. And I think that is probably his greatest strength. He's a strong leg driver type guy, not a great burst off the line. I know you mentioned that in your scouting report. I think that's a fair observation. That's why he's probably more interior than outside. He moves fine once he gets going. He's going to have to improve at the initial getting going type of thing. You compared him a bit to Ira Henry with the sense of a build and a frame. Yeah, I, I, didn't that. Make, I didn't make that public, so thanks for putting oh, that up. I'm sorry. People, people are going to freak out now. Well, I, I don't think he is Ira Henry, just to clarify that. I think the build is somewhat similar to Ira Henry, yeah, which I think what is I what mean. you were going for there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, talented kid. You take him. He's at IMG. He's working with Trey Thomas down there. That's his O-line coach down there. Uh, for those who don't know, Trey Thomas, longtime NFL player, Eagles, uh very, very good player here at Florida State. Trey Thomas thinks very highly of him. I think with, you know, him being there for the next year with Bobby in there, I think that we're going to see an improved player from what we see today versus what the product will be when he arrives on campus. I don't know if anyone else had this experience when I was going through and watching uh, his highlights. The IMG film, he was at IMG as a junior. Uh, Ba was, he's initially from the Memphis area. Uh, The difference in img film as a junior to the memphis film as a sophomore was was stark and that he looked more explosive and quicker as a sophomore chris did you happen to look at the the earlier film and experience something similarly yeah his body's in a full transformation um you know i, I doubt he's ever had a weight room as disposal comparable to img's i doubt he's had the kind of coaching and training strength and conditioning training that he will get img if he takes that stuff he's, he's going to be fine like i I think it's a very good take. I'm all for FSU taking as many offensive linemen as humanly possible and hoping the chips fall where they may and that they eventually get five that work very well together type of thing with some depth. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. But, yeah, he, he's improving, and I think he's going to continue to improve. But, you know, I, I from the get-go, I thought he was a guard. I'm glad to hear from speaking to people that FSU expects him to be a guard. 
I think this is a solid fitting it into the right hole kind of thing instead of trying to put, you know, the square peg in the triangular hole and move them to tackle. I just don't think that would work. Josh, Byer Sinone, being surprised that Chris views someone as a guard rather than a tackle. I'm buying it. First, buying it. It's a lot easier to find guards. It is. It's really hard to find tackles. Uh, yeah. Like long tackles. Okay. It is. So, so I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get on here real quick and just comment that Chris looks great today, by the way. He does. Let's let's talk about that for a second. He's clean shaven. Oh He's wearing a nice pastel bluish colored uh, polo shirt. Very clean. What's happening, Chris? You okay? I, I'm a grown up. I mean, like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go with that. <laughs> Maybe I have intentions of starting a GoFundMe today, and I just want to do oh it. Oh, my God. What happened? Can we talk about it? I don't, I don't know. know. What happened. I'm not that deep into it. I just saw enough last night to know that, like, I'm glad I didn't give to that GoFundMe. That's pretty much all I know. <laughs> Lost in the ether because it wasn't recording was when we first commented on Chris's shirt pre-show with Zach going, it's too early in the morning to wear that. <laughs> it was like a 9 o'clock. Zach showing his age today. Tomorrow he'll understand, but today he doesn't because he's still only 20. <laughs> Tomorrow he becomes a man. All right, Josh, the Aluba uh, recruitment, uh, you were on record, I think it was a couple weeks ago, saying that you thought this recruitment would go a little further down the road. Obviously, it expedites some. Uh, what are we getting for intel? Like, what, what, Why did the timeline shift? And, and just kind of can you give us some, some ideas into what happened with his recruitment? Yeah, just about eight to 10 days ago, I believe it was on this podcast, I said that Florida State wanted to see more of Bob because he's coming in on his official visit on June 11, um, which is still scheduled and he'll still be on campus and likely work out that day. Um, but, you know, I was being told that the plan was um, they were they were high on Bob, but like everything that you said, uh, they wanted to see kind of what he looked like before taking a commitment from him. But I think it was a conversation. I think it was kind of twofold. One, he's at IMG now, like you guys said. Two, Mike Norvell, Trey Thomas. Um, he's somebody that they trust, somebody's somebody's evaluation that they put value in. And he basically gave him the stamp of approval. So I think that kind of coupled with the fact that, like you said, Florida State needs offensive linemen. So why are we holding off? Let's If we got a quality offensive lineman that wants in the boat right now, let's take him. Um, Bob will be on campus on June 11. He'll work out for the staff. I don't think anything's going to change there. Um, this is just the first of what could be five commitments on the offense line. Well, let's talk about that. I'm going to kick this to you, Josh. The offensive line, you wrote what's next on the offensive line. You mentioned the number five, which I, I think Chris Nee is a big fan of, taking as many as possible. Uh, what is next? What else are we looking at at the offensive line? Uh, so who are some priorities at this moment? And also, am I doing a good job of not talking too much? I'm trying. Well, we have... I have two crystal balls put in on three crystal balls put in on the offensive line right now. I have two guards, Kenyaya Charlton and Kate Quayshon Sapp, who I think they're still going to take. Don't believe that there's been any shakeup on the offensive line there. Otherwise I would change my crystal ball picks. And then the third crystal ball pick I have in is for Daughtry Richardson. He is a true offensive tackle prospect out of Miami, um, Miami central high school. Those are the three crystal balls that I have put in right now. I'm confident in all three of those picks. Um, at the top of the board, I would probably go Elijah Pritchett, offensive tackle out of Carver High School there in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, Jalen Early, who's a offensive tackle prospect out of the state of Texas. Then you kind of have a bunch of guys in the mix like Julian Armella, um, Emery Jones. There's a few others. Zach, am I missing anybody? I'm just doing this off the top of my head here. Help me out. 
No, nah, I think you got all the the main guys, especially at the the tackle position. I would just say, you know, like you said, like Quayshon Sapp, Kanaya Charlton are kind of the two most legitimate options at guard. Um, but other than that, I think you hit on everyone um, at the at, at tackle specifically. Yeah. So right now, I think it's it's kind of um, let's let's pencil in the the guys that I got on the offensive line, right? Crystal Bald. That's three. So now we're at four total. And really, I think at this point, Florida State's swinging for the fences with with guys like Elijah Pritchett, who they're in it with. But they got to battle Alabama and Georgia um, right now. I think FSU's probably third for Elijah Pritchett. It's gonna it's gonna be tough to overcome Alabama and Georgia, but they are in there pretty good because there's a lot of teams in this country that would like to be sitting at number three with Elijah right now, and I'd probably put FSU there. Um, we want to see if Jalen Early makes it to campus. He's out of Texas. Zach, have you been? Have you heard anything on Early and when he's supposed to make it? Yeah, um, I spoke with him like about a month ago about him making it to campus. I think it was June 25th is the scheduled official visit. He tweeted out a photo that I think FSU sent him confirming that official that 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 official was still on. So him and his teammate tight end Jarrell Powers are, are supposed to make it in that weekend. And then. You have one of the most polarizing prospects on the offensive line uh, recruiting board, Julian Armella. Julian Armella is a Florida State legacy uh, offensive tackle prospect who is being highly recruited. Zach, what are you hearing? What's the latest on Armella? Yeah, I mean, I think with Armella, it just comes down to can Florida State get him on campus this summer? It feels like it's been a struggle for him to get to Florida State. Um you know, for, for a long time, even before, you know, this whole COVID thing uh, went down, like they were, they were still recruiting him back then. So mm-hmm. I think, I think it's going to be vitally important for them to get him on campus in June for them to be a legitimate option um, down the road for him. Yeah. Couple I, foot, a couple footnotes to add to your guys' discussion. Richardson scheduled to come in June 11th for an official visit. Daughtry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Pritchett has told me he has an official visit planned to FSU. In the follow-up of when I expect that, that to day. be June fifth. Yeah, that's what he okay, told okay, me. First we get okay. Yes. And then uh the third one was with Armella. Yes, he has not made it to FSU. That is concerning. I don't think the legacy thing matters as much as some hope it would. Mm-hmm. But he has also not made it to many other places. He's a kid that just truly hasn't really hit the road very much at all. Any other names for you that you like that stand out, maybe that you want to see this summer or anything offensive line to wrap it up here? Well, I think camps is a place where offensive line can get interesting because sometimes dudes walk in and you love them off of film and you work with them and you just you're disgusted. It's not it's not what's for you. So sometimes a name can quickly plummet. On the converse of that, sometimes guys come in that you do like on film, but you need to see more. You want to see the measurements, whatever it may be, especially in this climate where evaluations are limited because of in-person interactions. You get them in the camp, you work them, you love them. Suddenly this is a dude, we need this guy. We want this guy. So I think June could be crucial in that sense. I don't see the board drastically changing, but it wouldn't shock me if, shock me if somebody were speaking of highly right now, maybe drops to some degree or somebody who we're not talking as much about or is completely off the radar at this moment elevates himself in the month of June. So I think that's worth watching. I'd like to take this conversation kind of sticking with offensive line, but bridging it to the transfer portal. There's a couple of names that we want to go over here, starting with offensive lineman Dylan Gibbons of Notre Dame. He is a, I guess he's going to be 
with eligibility would be like a redshirt junior. He's a fifth year senior right now. It's what Notre Dame lists him as, but their stuff's kind of funky. So yeah, anyways, he's a, he's a graduate transfer too. He, he would, he's a kid he that got his degree. Yeah. But I think he would have like two years to play potentially. He has um, two years to play. I confirm yeah. that. Yes. Okay. So yeah, he would have two to play potentially, uh, but he's a career backup at Notre Dame. He has started one game, has gotten in the mix with like maybe 300 career snaps. So he's played a little bit uh, and he's someone from the St. Pete area. Initially, I watched him the other day. I like his his game. I think he's someone who could help FSU if there is interest. The question is, Joshua, uh, is there interest on, on both sides right now? Yeah, let me get my portal hat on here. All right, uh, put it on because we're gonna, we got a couple portal names to go over. Yes, Florida State Ooh. does have interest in Dylan Gibbons. Um, I know that there's been some contact. I reached out to his dad. He didn't confirm nor deny. Um, told me he's going to keep in touch, but we'll see about that. From Doing a little digging this weekend, I do believe FSU is active with them. Um, I think that they're, the, the FSU staff has had multiple contacts. I think they're recruiting him, the family, um, and all that. But I do think he's a guard at the next level. Um, obviously, FSU sees some value there in bringing him in and, and for the purpose of, you know, he might, he's probably better than what they got. Um, I don't, otherwise, I don't, I don't see the purpose in, in recruiting him. But with that said, um, I have learned that he wants to move closer to home, home being St. Petersburg, like you said, um, done a little due diligence trying to dig on, on the teams in state recruiting him. Miami is not, but I do believe Florida is. And I think Florida's in a pretty good spot um, right now. I think, you know, F, with UF selling academics and also the ability to come in and play, I don't know. I'd probably give the edge to UF right now. We'll see how this one goes, but I think a decision could come maybe by the end of the week, maybe, you know, somewhere in the, in the next seven to 10 days, somewhere in that range. I spoke to somebody at FSU yesterday and they said they, one, they feel pretty good about the way communication has gone with Gibbons and his camp. And they also believe that decision probably was not that far off. So It, it is kind of interesting to me that Gibbons so, so Notre Dame had an off offensive line was just awesome, right? Like that was their thing the last couple of years. Now three of those guys from last year's offensive line get drafted, both tackles, and then Aaron Banks was the left guard. Uh, Gibbons played some. He started one game uh, against Syracuse and graded out pretty well. I think like seventy six on PFF for that for that game. Uh, so he enters this spring as someone who is vying for a full time starting spot. I think he started off the spring as a starting left guard. Uh, reading some of the the information from like Notre Dame sites. Apparently he ends up ending the spring as the backup center. So someone who seems to be looking for an assured like starting spot, Notre Dame did bring in a pretty good class of offensive linemen. It's going to be young, but, but talented. <sighs> uh, we assume he starts like whether it's at FSU or UF, like he's going somewhere to start at this point. I would, I would imagine. Uh, I was to add to that part of it. I was told he's viewed as a guard who was a capable center. Okay. From an FSU perspective. So I know people listening to this, I'm, I'm sure people are absorbing this as like, man, we really want to tackle. We have allocated spots left. Uh, is this someone who's guaranteed a starting spot in Notre Dame? Like, are we getting that caliber of, of transfer? And I, I don't know. He, he's good. He's solid. I think he helps you inside if you end up getting him if, if you're FSU. Um, but I don't know if like he's a, a slam dunk, like upgrade. I do think he brings stability if you do get him in like a, a baseline. I can say floor now, right? I'm allowed to say floor and not lose a bet. I, I think he raises the floor about this line room if you get them uh, a couple other offensive linemen who entered the transfer portal the past week or so we have not talked about here on the podcast two of them are from buffalo uh high-end like group of five offensive linemen jacob gall and mike Nowitzki. uh 
Gall was graded out as the number one interior offensive lineman, I think, or left guard in the country by PFF this past year. Josh, uh, any interest? I know FSU kicks the tires on those guys. Do you think it goes beyond that? Nope. Uh, I don't think outside of Dylan Gibbons right now, Florida State is active with anybody in the transfer portal. On the offensive line? I'm, no. Or I guess in general. <laughs> Period. All right. Well, that'll make the next two names pretty quickly then. Uh, or go quickly. Jacksonville State defensive end DJ Coleman enters the transfer portal, uh, then tweets out that he is going to withdraw from the transfer portal. So that, that was short-lived. Uh, Josh, you had a little bit of intel on that when he did put his name in, though. He was a guy Florida State was interested in. I believe they would have pursued um, pursued heavily. Sure, I'll say it if he decided to stay in or go in or whatever he did. Um, but, you know, he's, he made the announcement. He is staying at Jacksonville state. I love this. And NAI guys are out here making announcements that they're That's staying not, at schools. FCS FCS. He has 113 tackles last two years, 22.5 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, I think nine this past year. So including one against Florida state. So someone who probably would have been coveted by, I imagine by a lot of schools, he's six foot six with like pass rush juice. He so. played well against FSU, right? Yeah, yeah, but that's you know, <laughs> that's neither here. You're not, you're not great. I mean, that, that was they were in a transition period at that point. That was that was early on. That was a uh, transition to the the J. Trav era. Uh, Notre Dame wide receiver Jordan Johnson entered the portal about a week ago. A former high end four star, low end five star guy, depending on what recruiting service you use. I think twenty four seven Sports had him as a high end four star on the composite. Uh, he enters the transfer portal after playing sparingly as a true freshman. Uh, Josh, that, that'll be the last uh, the last name I'll throw to you here to kind of give us the update on what's going on. Yeah, I think FSU would have interest in him if if numbers didn't matter. Um, but I think they really only have two scholarships, and I don't think that they want to take a wide receiver and then and then have um, to pass on an offensive tackle or pass rusher, somebody that's a bigger need down the road as we – like I said on, on the last podcast, I think June 1 is a date to watch for because that's the first day transfers can enroll on campus. So as we get to June 1, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see more names enter the portal. So May is going to be a pivotal month then for the portal. For the portal. Hmm. 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 Uh, Byers the scholarship numbers, will they work out for FSU finishing up this, this class via the transfer portal? Bye. <laughs> i'm gonna sonone it what yeah you said they always work out i think they're gonna have leftover scholarships i don't think what? they're gonna use as many as they can you think they're gonna have leftovers i was thinking the opposite i, I think, think they're gonna have a hard time filling those final two spots i i sonone your sonone okay all right i think they're gonna have a hard time they're i think they have to make some tough decisions it may not be the highest caliber recruit like they want, but I think they're going to use those spots. Dude, this is a really big year for them. I Who would you they... use the spots on? Anyone. Like I'm not going into yeah, this but year. It's like you're... they it's not like they can just it's not like it's their decision where Dylan Gibbons goes. Right. But you don't think there's anyone who's going so to So I think it. at this point, hang Dylan on, Gibbons, on. I think at this point I'd probably pencil him in at UF. Okay, that's um, fine. You don't think there's so, anyone. So now, okay, so now where are you going with the scholarship? Hey, so you don't think you you just said yourself that May is going to be a pivotal month in terms of guys entering the portal I don't coming think up. Really interested in anybody else right now? I think there'll be names, and I think they're gonna have some tough decisions to make. Like right now, you just said that Jordan Johnson is someone who would be like considered. Like they would have been a, a surefire take. Right, but ago. I think he's gonna make his decision soon. I don't think he's gonna wait and 
and oh see if FSU has a scholarship open for him in June or July. He'll be, he'll already be off the board. I can't made a decision. I can't argue with Josh. Enrolled at a new school. I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's take a quick commercial break, and then uh, we got a few more recruiting tidbits to go over. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. Uh, like I said, a few recruiting tidbits to go over. Zachary was in South Florida. Chris is going to have some updates on some other sports uh, as well. So let's get into it here. The quarterback situation. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks here on the podcast. I think it's something that's going to be worth at least kind of discussing somewhat here and there. Uh, the story to me is that Nico Marchio, who is the, the one of two quarterback commitments in this class, he was obviously pretty quiet after A.J. Duffy commits. Uh, and some of his, his first tweets afterwards were him saying he was going to take official visits to West Virginia and Michigan State. He's now start, started tweeting about FSU again, positively about being in the 2022 class. So I'm just going to throw this out there, Nebulous, whoever wants to grab it, grab it. What's up with Nico and FSU? Not everyone jump at once. Well, we'll move on then. Josh said to put this on the script. I told you. Well, to I mean, I, who, I, I've been talking a lot. I was going to, I was going to give uh, up. Uh, I could wait this out all day. I, I could do this. All right. You, you know, well, hang, hang on, hang on real quick. You know, damn well that Christy does not want to talk about this. So that, I just, that's didn't, I, I mean, I do want to talk about it. I just want to give somebody else. I'm, space. I'm living the, what will be, will be life with Nico. At Chris, this is, okay? like, Chris is an angel right now in that, in that pastel blue polo. He has like, nothing bad the to official, say. I, I don't think FSU wants him taking officials, plain and simple. Uh, I we got will, we will see if we get to the point where he takes the officials. Right. That, that to me is a pivot point. Okay. So what's happened since the last podcast? Um, Nico on the last one had announced that he's taken official visits to Michigan State and West Virginia. Since then, I do know that there has been conversation, maybe conversations with the Florida State staff. Um, I am told that Nico feels like he's all on board with Florida State. I think if Nico's all on board with Florida State and there and everything is going as smoothly as it's been indicated, then Nico will not take official visits. Um, I think that in this day and age of recruiting with what the quarterback means to a football program in a commitment class, you can't have your quarterback commitment out there just willy-nilly taking official visits to other schools and also being in the group chat with commitments and you know it there's more than just the optics of it all there's a lot going on with uh qb commitments these days and if nico truly is on board with florida state then he will not take these visits and if he if he does take these visits i think the uh, florida state staff will let him know that he's not fully on board josh don't want no half-stepping do you think I'm wrong? Do you think this staff? No, no, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. And I, I think that's fair. But I am also playing patience with this one because I'm not ready to shove him out of class. I'm not ready to say, oh, yeah, he's solid. There's no doubt. I feel like it's yeah. in that middle ground and there's decisions to be made by both parties. And we'll see who kind of flinches first and who does what and who forces the other's hand. That I agree with you. I don't think it's worth predicting right now whether or not he'll be in the class or whatnot. I think. I'm going to ignore all tweets, all Instagram, all everything, and just watch and see if he takes these visits. Because if he takes these visits, then I think he'll be out of the class fairly quickly. Um, 
If he doesn't, then I, I fully expect FSU to sign him. I mean, I think if 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 Nico's on board, FSU's on board with him, and and they'll sign two quarterbacks. No no question. To keep Sinone from talking too much, I'll, I'll bring up the next guy. Thank you, wide receiver Kevin Coleman. I believe it was last evening tweeted that May thirteenth, it might be that time. Time for what? Bring in our Kevin Coleman whisper. Yeah, I mean, um, I I haven't heard anything concrete with, with that yet, um, but. I think that um, it's definitely worth watching. I, I, I know um, FSU has been working really hard with him and, and the commits as well have been working um, hard to try and get him into this class. I'm not sure if this is a commitment um, just yet, but I, but I know, um, you know, I, I, I talked to Kevin earlier this week or earlier last week, and he was telling me that he had planned to get to Florida State in June. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this just be, you know, a top list or something like that. But you never know with recruiting and, and um, these guys. So we'll see what happens. But I'm sure we'll hear something closer to, to that date. Um, yeah. He previously put out, what, like a seven or eight unofficially eight. top? I think it was an eight. Yeah. So I could see this being maybe cutting that in half and scheduling official with shows. I think FSU, Alabama, Oregon are three that are probably definitely in it. After that, I'm not truthfully sure who would be next man up. Yeah, I really think it's FSU and Alabama. Yeah, I, I think those are the top two. And then the rest. Yeah. Well, and I would put Alabama number one. I would put just tell Alabama to screw off. Like, come on, Alabama. You don't need every wide receiver. Like, just get out of here. Give us one. Come Do you on. know how easy it is for that school to recruit receivers right now? Oh, and I, Nick Saban likes to use the roulette rule, like the roulette metaphor, right? He's like, you know, do you want a 25% chance of making to the NFL or do you want a 50% chance, right? What do you think the wide receiver like odds are right now for them to get drafted? They just take that photo of the four of them walking on the field and put the NFL uniforms on them. That's, I don't know if the school already. put that out, but I know that picture is out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty powerful recruiting tool for wide receivers. That's a tough but Yeah. I, I spoke to somebody very close to his recruitment and it's not expected to be a commitment, uh, whatever he's doing. It's a quote secret, but my source tells me they think it's going to be a top list of some sort. Okay. Well, that's still we'll good. See intel. What happens there. That's still good intel. Hey, I was going to not play this game. I forgot to put it in the script. Do we want to play a game real quick? Yeah. All right. So Curtis fan, former four-star recruit announces that he and signing with FSU defensive ed dealt with shoulder issues upon arriving here. Uh, announces that he is transferring to Akron. I want to go through real quick, just for information purposes, go through the 2018 and 2019 classes, look at the guys who are no longer here and where they ended up. All right. And then just get your guys' reaction as we go down the list here. So let's start off with 2018. That was the first transition year with Willie Taggart. Tough to have a transition class in the early signing period, as we're finding out. FSU timed that up perfectly to be one of the first uh, schools to have to deal with a major coaching change in the early signing period uh era right, 21 commitments aj lighten was the first one uh on this on this list here no sorry Jaden lars would be the first one i forgot he's not here anymore boston, he goes college. To boston college yep upgrade from fsu or downgrade upgrade uh, you're saying upgrade oh josh is just ruthless no, i mean fsu for all of fsu's issues they do beat boston college pretty regularly still even even being down i disagree downgrade aj lighten did he end up anywhere? Wait, no. hold on. I, I I don't really understand the game. What did I just... Fire Sinone. <laughs> what did I just... Did I... You say, was it an upgrade for Jay Delars would be the school he ends up at or a downgrade for him? Oh, I thought you meant 4-4 to State. Yeah, that's what I thought. No. Chris got it. 
Chris knows what I'm. Oh, okay, about. I was saying it's an upgrade for four. Either way, that would be Josh being ruthless. <laughs> My bad. I don't know <laughs> what game this is. He's been set up for it. All right, AJ Lighton. Where did he end up? Nowhere, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know if he went to a JUCO and you know, with the COVID year, got swallowed up. I'm not sure where he ended up. All right. So I don't probably- know of him being at another like D1 institution. I don't either. If if we're wrong on that, please correct us. Uh, so I guess a downgrade, given that we don't know where where he's at. Uh, Warren Thompson, he goes to South Carolina. No, Ar- a, Arkansas. 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 It's Arkansas, right? But as a walk on, right? I don't know. I believe. I, I, I didn't I believe it's. I could barely pay attention to Warren Thompson when he's here by the end of his career. I'm certainly not paying to attention to him after he walked out the door. All right, Treshawn Harrison goes to Oregon State downgrade yeah okay Probably one of the worst programs in college football xavier peters goes to kentucky and then to juco and then i don't know where he is now he never had the grades to play college football i mean okay so that was the issue all along malcolm lamar uh goes to fau follows way down there down, downgrade downgrade okay isaiah bolden goes to jackson state downgrade yeah downgrade uh Christian Meadows medically DQ'd. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything to that. Uh, Anthony Grant, where did he end up? JUCO. JUCO. Didn't he commit somewhere? Mm. Anthony Grant. I hardly remember. Transfer. Remember, there was one off season where Anthony Grant, we were being told, was the best back on the roster. Bro, and that was Cam Akers bro, on the roster. Bro, listen up. Yeah, we were told that a couple times Multiple but dur- times. during those null drills I, I you could have told me that he was a future hall of famer and i would have believed you <laughs> you think the la rams know they messed up <laughs> be nice uh christian armstrong where did he end up he i, I he think he's around? actually still at fsu, FSU? as a student okay. he's just not playing football demarcus Ad- demarcus adams wide receiver ends up at fau down right jamarcus chapman where did he end up? Troy? Troy, I believe. That's a downgrade. So I, I wasn't counting, but that's like half the class, more than half the class ended up all kind of punching down after transferring. So transition classes are tough. Who's uh, the biggest see. contributor of that class to FSU? I mean, Amari Gaynor's Asante Samuel is a, is a three and yeah. out. And, and yeah, Asante Samuel wins by being a, a three and done type of guy and living up to exactly what he should have been, right? But that that class's hit rate's going to be around what, 25%? 25%. Uh, And even then, that might might be generous, depending on what we're calling a hit rate, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, All right, and then 2019, obviously still a lot of guys uh, not quite settled yet, and and TBD, a lot of these guys are are still underclassmen. Um, But in terms of guys who have left, Raymond Woody goes out to Cal. You know what? You know what? I'm going to say Cal's an upgrade. I'm going to say it's an upgrade because he did what he wanted to do. And also, you know, I think he likes the education option. He likes coaching there. I think for him, it was a fit that he wanted. I think he ended up here, obviously, for some personal reasons. For sure. His dad was a coach, which makes sense. And he was local at the time, too. Um, But goes back out west. Uh, Yeah, Cal's a good fit. Uh, Let's see. Curtis Fan to Akron. Uh, Again, we're not knocking. I'm not trying to knock the players here. I'm just saying, like, the actual, the the production of the field led them to their next move. Uh, Akron's not an upgrade over FSU. Uh, let's see who else. Kevon Glenn. Where did he? Where did Kevon end up? Troy. Troy. Troy was a Georgia Southern. I thought he may have like flip flopped, but uh, either way, uh, Kevon is probably not not an upgrade. Uh, Jay Williams. Where did Jay Williams end up? Famu. 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 Yep. All right. Probably not an upgrade there. So 
point being that there's a lot of volatility in that transition class and uh there's even the class after so far there's there's been a fair amount and a lot of those guys who end up leaving uh, aren't leaving to better positions you could probably debate two or three of them but most of them probably uh i don't know do we have any takeaways from that i think it just shows that that the evaluation during that span i forgot a bunch of those guys even i saw this discussion happening on the message board and somebody went and dived into two or three other d1s i think oklahoma was one they touched on i forget the others but their point was that most guys that leave end up downgrading in the sense Usually, where they end yeah. up. Truthfully, a lot of guys we see jumping and moving up, you know, there's the Henry Totos of the world who go from Tennessee to Bama. But a lot of his guys that went to lower level schools, G5, FCS, turned into something and then they get upgraded. I think there's much more of that upgrade than the D1 jumping power five upgrade necessarily. Yeah. It could numbers wise, if you compare the numbers, kind of like you know, more three stars are drafted than five stars, but the percentage of five stars is higher, stuff like that. To, to me, I think the, the big takeaway there is just the amount of the volume of guys who left. I think that's that's probably more so what, what's kind of staggering as you look at like half of that 2018 class didn't finish their time here at FSU. Uh, the 2019 class is obviously still TBD, there's already a few transfers. Uh, yeah, it just, it just shows how difficult it is to recruit soundly during a transition class the fact that fsu is in a couple of those in a short window i think will show it's tough to evaluate it's tough to to get guys who are buying in to to a certain vision sometimes too if they were part of another uh, recruiting class or it, there's just there's a lot of variables that that open up so good teams are developed by two recruiting classes back to back that are developed well that you hit at a high rate on 50 or better certainly better is better um that, that's how football teams become good. And FSU's had barely one class in a row of good returns, really, in recent years. I mean, there, when's the last time FSU had a recruiting class you can point to and say this class was pretty solid and definitely helped FSU? I mean, it's, we're approaching, what, five years at this point? And, like, that 2016 class ends up, like, having a couple guys. Well, that, that was, was in the Dickerson and Josh Ball class, yeah, right? The and massive O-line center. class, yeah. yeah. And they end up helping out other schools uh, for various yeah. reasons more than they helped out FSU. McKitty so, yeah. was part of that class too, right? Or was he 17? Uh, I think he was 17. Okay. I think he was. Yeah, he was Jimbo's last. Yeah, that was Jimbo's last last draw. So anyways, I don't know if that was a fun game or not, but I thought it was at least worth looking at just the amount, the volume of, of guys who have left. Anyways, I'm talking too much. I only have 10 more minutes before I have to leave for my chiropractic visit. Let's kick this to Zachary because Zach has been on the road. He was down in South Florida, back home for about a week or so. And while he was down there, he hit up a lot of different places. Uh, one, to check on current targets. And then two, to check out the youth camp that FSU is holding. They had three down there in South Florida, three days in a row, uh, Palm Beach and then Fort Lauderdale and then Miami. Uh, Zach was in Fort Lauderdale. So Zach, I'll throw this to you. Uh, first, let's start off with the youth camp, just your overall thoughts on, on what that looked like. And then if you want to get into some recruiting uh, updates as well, please uh, feel free to uh, give us a scoop. Yeah, I think the youth camp was a huge success um, just based on turnout and just the overall um, just vibe there at the camp. I think, you know, obviously Florida State isn't down in, in these places to recruit high school athletes, but I think it does help them with high school athletes. Um, there were some coaches there at these high schools. They're not allowed to interact with the coaches or talk with them due to NCAA rules. But there are some coaches down there from some big big time schools down in Fort Lauderdale that that I think they, they brought their kids out to the to the FSU youth camp. And that's obviously a good sign um, to get in with the, some of those schools. And then just the turnout for 
um, you know, the youth in that area was just great. Um, obviously, I went to the Fort Lauderdale stop the, the night before the camp got canceled due to weather. So a lot of those kids came back um, for, for the Fort Lauderdale camp. So I think that's part of the reason why the turnout w was so good for that one. But I think um, even in the Miami stops, uh, they had a pretty good, a, a good turnout um, w with all the, with all those guys. So, you know, I, I think it was a huge success. It being a free camp for, for, for the youth was also just a, a huge hit amongst the people there. Um, it's not like Florida State's trying to profit off these events. They're really trying to build relationships in these areas. So I think that was another good, good sign. And I think, um, you know, moving in into, I don't know if you wanted to intro this, but moving into, you know, some of the stops I made in South Florida, I hit up five schools when I was down there, um, just trying to get, get a sense for, you know, the recruitments of some of those Florida State targets that live in that area. First, I went to Strandon High School um, in, in Fort Lauderdale, and I mainly went to go see Fort Florida State linebacker target Omar Graham Jr., um, he has a Florida State official visit scheduled for June 11th. I think we all have crystal balls in for him to Florida State, so I'm liking where things stand there. Another guy to note at Stranahan is um, 2023 four-star receiver Hakeem Williams, who actually uh, self-toured FSU with Graham um, earlier this spring. So he's a guy to watch for the next class. My next stop was to Miami Central High School. Obviously, everyone knows um, this high school due to, you know, Florida State's success here in the past with guys like Dalvin Cook and, and others. Um, but, you know, th this class, um, some guys to watch, offensive tackle target, Daughtry Richardson, who we talked about before. Um, you know, he, he looked good out there. He's got legit size, and I think, you know, he's, he's big on FSU. And then um, a guy who I, I was really impressed with was four-star linebacker target, Wesley Besaint. Um, He's kind of like an outside linebacker for them, uh, for FSU and their defense. So, I think he's a guy that is probably nearing the top of their linebacker board just, just based on what he can do on the field. And um, he had planned to make an FSU official visit over the summer, but he talked to uh, defensive analyst uh, Randy Shannon, and that visit will happen in the fall. So I think that's a good sign for Florida State, considering he won't be making his decision um, in, until that, that fall period during his senior season. Oh, that, that Randy Shannon hire already paying off, right, Berg? Mm. Mm. Love to love to see it. One thing I like about the youth camps that they're what three in twelve to go. I think they're doing fifteen total. Um, I like that we're seeing former Knowles come out to them in support. I think it's a good sign for the program, a good sign for the head coach. And uh, you know, spring tour is one of those places you usually see that when the coach goes out and speaks to booster clubs. That didn't happen due to the pandemic, etc. So to see it kind of there is, I think, a positive, just something I kind of gleaned from keeping an eye on the last, the first three events. Mm -hmm. right, Zachary, where else did you hit up? You were at Dillard, right? Yeah, I, I was going to touch on what, um, you know, Chris just said that EJ Manuel, um, Florida State former QB, was at the Fort Lauderdale stop for like uh, 30 minutes. I think he had to go somewhere, but he still made his way over to talk with Coach Norvell and Kenny Dillingham and some of the other coaches there. So that was pretty cool to see. And then I heard Nick O'Leary was at the um, the Palm Beach stop. And I think Rodney Hudson made his way to one of the Miami stops on Saturday. So, you know, some, some of those former guys getting out there, definitely a good sign. Um, um, my next stop was actually the Pace Academy, where five-star number one defensive um, end in the country, Shamar Stewart, plays. That kid looks like a 
you know, college DN right now, he's like 6'5", 260, um, just kind of r- ridiculous measurables. And that, that's, you know, part of the reason why we have him, you know, ranked so high at 24-7 sports. And he obviously p- puts out good numbers. He didn't play last season, but he's looking to, you know, dominate on the field this coming season. And, um, you know, I, I'm not – Florida State definitely has work to do with, with his recruitment. You know, the big dogs are in it. Um, everyone in the country pretty much wants him. I think LSU is kind of looked at as an early favorite for him, but obviously it just comes down to where he makes visits, um, you know, starting in June when things open up. And then another guy to note at pace is linebacker Makai Mason, who Florida State's kind of looking at, looking at um, you know, I think they want to get him on campus, see him in person. And he's a guy that's definitely an option on the board. They, uh, they have extended an offer to him, but, um, you know, definitely got to keep an eye on. And then, like you said, went out to Dillard. Um, that's kind of a big school for FSU this class with um, former FSU commit Nigel Lee Kelly, defensive lineman um, out there who decommitted from Florida State a couple weeks ago. Um, I spoke to him. He still says FSU is his number one school. So um, he's planning to make it to Florida State on June 5th. And then he has another official visit scheduled for the fall. So definitely, you know, that's going to be a recruitment to monitor over the summer. I think he's going to make He's tweeted out a bunch of other visits he's going to make. So um, we'll see what Florida State can do to try and, you know, reel him back in the class. And then another guy who didn't go for spring ball, he's currently in track season. He just ran a 10-7, 100-meter at the state finals uh, this past weekend. So that's Devon Mortimer. He's a receiver for Dillard. Um, He was out there taking in the practice because they hadn't – they had finished up track practice. So I spoke to him. Um, we have updates on all these guys on, on those 24 seven. So you can go see what they said. And then my last stop was just a quick stop over to Coconut Creek high school. Um, that's close to where I live. And the guy I was looking at there was Travell Mullen, who obviously, um, you know, if people have been following recruiting for a while, he's had some brothers, um, who, who have had success in college and at the NFL level and Trayvon Mullen and, uh, Taiwan Mullen was at Indiana. Trayvon was at, um, Clemson and now plays in the league. Travell is a guy that Florida State's looking at at the cornerback position. He's going to get up and camp at FSU this summer and is looking to earn an offer. So um, he's a guy that, you know, I think down the line could become a legitimate FSU target. So definitely wanted to see him in person. But now I'm back in Tallahassee um, and making the rounds up here, seeing some Tallahassee schools, South Georgia schools. So be on the lookout for that on most 24-7. Let's go. All right. Chris, I'm going to throw this to you because you have a couple not FSU football related things to talk about, and I'm going to leave. So, Josh, you take us home when Twitter. Chris is gone, okay? Whatever. Bye. I love you guys. Efton Reed actually finally committed, but it was to LSU. Glad that one's done. Thanks, Mama Bear. Um, Bear. Baseball won two of three at Notre Dame. Notre Dame had not lost a series all year. Notre Dame was ranked as high as number two by Baseball America, consistently a top 10 team. Big win for FSU, moved the RPI up about 22 spots. RPI is slightly a mess this year because of the fact uneven schedules in baseball. So that's going to make it tough. This week, we expect the 20 regional host site possibilities to be announced. 16 of those will actually be regional host sites. I think FSU is right on the verge of being one of those 20. I think they're in that discussion. Uh, Non-specific on which day this week it comes out. Just that it comes out the week of May 10th, which uh, started today. Baseball has Florida Gulf Coast for two, Clemson for three this weekend, then on the road to NC State, and then they hit the ACC tournament. 
pretty important for them to finish strong, but they put themselves in the discussion. Um, they were number two in most field of 64 projections last week playing in Gainesville. That was Baseball America and D1 Baseball that I saw had them as a number two. Beach Volleyball lost in the NCAA tournament, um, finishing a bit shorter than probably hoped by most. I, I think most thought they would be one of the final three, four teams. They got eliminated just before that. I believe USC beat UCLA for the, the crown. I might have it backwards, but I know those two played for the crown. Um, women's golf is starting regionals today. They're already teed off and playing. Women's tennis is still alive in the NCAA tournament. Trying to think what a, there was another sport. Oh yeah. Soccer. They're pretty good. They're in the college cup final four. That's they advance. Hey. It's three of the final four are ACC teams. FSU is the number one overall seed. I think at the end of the day, we're going to be seeing FSU playing UNC for a national title. That's what I expected when the tournament was seeded. Is that, FSU that defending champs? Uh, they won it last year in soccer. Oh, you're catching me off guard here. No, I think it's, I think they're two years removed from a championship. Two years longer. Um, I'm, I'm, when does it start? They play on, let me see, I wrote it in the story. Let me look real quick. They will play Virginia, who beat number four seed TCU mm-hmm. next week. And North Carolina will play Santa Clara next week. And semifinal games will be on May 13th with the championship on the 17th. So it wraps up a week from today. Um, FSU now 66, 17, and four all time in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that, that soccer team's elite. Uh, mm-hmm. They obviously lost a great player to the professional ranks because of the fact that the season has stretched out for so long this year with it not being concluded during the normal time of year for soccer. But they're really staring at it. The Duke game was not enjoyable. It was 110 minutes of scoreless soccer because Duke decided to play everybody back and challenge FSU to beat them. FSU won in penalty kicks, deservedly so. They had dominated action, controlling the ball 74% of the time, and uh, Duke had no shots on goal in 110 minutes. So that kind of speaks to how that game was. But, yeah, I'll be keeping up with soccer. I actually talked to Corian this morning just before we started the podcast. Scheduled to speak with him again tomorrow, the NCAA Final Four, all four coaches and staffs and players and some others talk tomorrow. So we'll be keeping up with soccer. I think they got a real legit chance of getting another star on their jersey. Yeah, awesome. Great to see. I went to a lot of women's soccer games when I was at FSU. Probably outside of football, I probably went to to more soccer games than I actually went to basketball games. It was always always a, a great place to watch uh, soccer. Well, yeah. And Krikorian, Krikorian's a great guy. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people listening to this pod pay that much mind to FSU soccer or, uh, the head coach, but he, he's an easygoing dude. He's an elite coach, runs a great program, develops players for the professional ranks, makes it very easy for him to recruit here because he is so effective at doing that. You know, he's helped FSU hang some banners in that sport. Most recently, 2018, Stanford won it in 2019, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, all right, they're they're unbelievably good. Well, good luck to the women, and thank you for listening to On the Bench. As always, this podcast is free, but if you want to drop us a five star review, or or you can get my cash app, but that's for another episode. Thank you for listening for Zach Blostein, for Chris Nee, for Brendan Sinone, who opted out early. We are on the bench.